You're listening to WCOMLP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Face with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. And guess what I've got for you guys this week? Actually, it's a little bit of a change of pace. Yes, we have interviews on here. Yes, we bring on interesting people. And and my guest today um, is interesting and has a story to tell. But I don't want to spoil it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into this conversation about conversations. I think you're going to enjoy it. All right. Well, I'm sitting here with Josh Naiman. Josh is the brainchild behind the Belief Books podcast uh, videos and book series. Josh is also, as I found out, you'll have to tell us more about this, Josh. You're a designer, a drummer, and an educator. Is all that correct? Yes. Am I? I'm not. I'm not smearing uh, your good name right now. No, that's all, all that, correct. That's yeah. all correct. All right. Well, welcome, welcome. Love to have you on. Love having you on the show, Josh. Um, Thanks for having Josh, me. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I can't complain. I finished my master's uh, yesterday. Awesome. No, applause. <laughs> applause for that. That's a, that's a big deal. I remember like turning in that last paper and just being like, <sighs> Yeah. I threw my hands up in victory. <laughs> yeah, that is that's super cool. Well, uh, b- I, what I wanted to do is we'll I want to center around talking a little about the Belief Books podcast. And before we even get to that, what I want to talk a little about your journey of like belief and in terms of like your vocation and your passions and all that stuff. So, give us like like Josh in a large nutshell. Okay, cool. I'm glad you gave me a large nutshell. Oh yeah, it's a very big uh, nut. Not a pistachio, although <laughs> I love pistachios. Um, I uh, so uh, to start early. I grew up in a Catholic family. I lived with my grandparents until uh, you know seventh grade or so with my mom. I went to a Catholic school until eighth grade. So uh, church four times a week. And, uh, so I was pretty well ingrained in it. That was, that was pretty much my world that, that family lives and breathes Catholicism, their faith, um, and attributing everything to God. And, um, and you know, I was, I was in it. I was an altar boy. Um, you know, um, <laughs> so I helped out you, in the mass. Did you survive being an altar boy? I survived. Okay. Uh, no completely. horror stories. No, because, okay, uh, yeah, I would have fought um, for myself there, I don't, I don't, I don't know. The, the priest probably would have regretted picking on me if that <laughs> were to have been the case. Um, and I don't know what would my trajectory would have been through that. And that's a terrible situation, but, and yeah. one of the many complaints I have about the, um, backwardness of what the, the rules of that faith do to like mm-hmm. priests, um, because there's, there's psychological reasons for, if you can't get married and, uh, 
and do the natural thing that our bodies are literally programmed, if you will, to mm-hmm. do. Um, there's suppressing that, um, I think comes out in those kind of forms. Mm-hmm. So, um, that makes sense. But as- aside from that, um, I noticed early on that something didn't click, but I was always trying to study the Bible. I was, I was always trying, um, and, and, and I believed that I believed and I, I did believe I would imagine when I was younger, but as I got into college to high school, I stopped attending church regularly. And then when I got to college, I took astronomy and really started to dig into like science and how things work and just slowly became more fascinated with what's going on and other things from my faith previously just didn't add up and I could not cope with them. And then I started to watch people who were specifically talking about that. And I was just like, wow, um, their points are so valid. Like I don't have an argument and I'm this old and I don't have an argument. And, uh, just that snowball kept going down the mountain. Um, and you know, we can, we can dive into Mm -hmm. specific topics of what, what I disagreed with, but that's kind of my faith journey. And now, um, now I sit, um, and, uh, you know, I would consider myself um, deeply connected mm-hmm. to humanity, and I feel like the universe, and that's, you know, people ask, like, are you spiritual still? And, you know, I think that word has a lot of baggage, but that's probably yeah. what I classify myself as, you know, our, our connection to other humans, humanism, and, uh, and like, just how precious this one life is. So, you know, I, I've had a, a, a nice journey. I'm... Um, I'm still digging, hence the belief Aren't we all? Or hopefully, aren't we all? I know we're not all digging, but yeah. Some people feel like they've already gotten to that place where they've arrived, they've figured it out, and it's all good, and no one needs to tell me anything otherwise. Those are the folks that always tend to make me nervous. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I mean, nervous in the fact that I never want to, like, be stuck at a dinner with them. (laughs) That that kind of nervous being like... Uh, how long is this going to be? Or how long is Thanksgiving dinner going to be this year? Uh, the, you know, those yeah. kind of conversations. <laughs> so so then in, in the midst of that, so what led you to start your belief books project? Absolutely. Yeah. So early um, on in my undergraduate degree, I was really hyped up about animation. Hmm. So that's what I was going to school for. Um, at Purdue in Indianapolis, and uh, I was deep into animation and graphics, sucked into that world. But once I graduated, I started to get into more conversations about faith and why people believed what they believed, and I was passionate about it. I knew I was passionate about it, but I was doing graphics for startup companies, software companies, and helping people out with their websites, and um, professionally, I was sucked into a different realm. But over the years, I, I, I started to realize based on all these other podcasts and um, people who had video series were talking and engaging with this stuff, and that helped me. I wanted to do the same, and I, and I just never knew what to do, and then I decided to go back and get my master's, and when I made that decision, my, my entire goal, my main goal for my master's was to immediately start working on the production that would culminate all of my design, communication, editing, you name it, skills into one production series that satisfied my urge to to try to spark social change through conversation, talking, being cordial, 
um, talking about the hard, hard stuff that I just, in certain places, I just see that wasn't happening. And I wanted to be part of the wave that was exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This, mm-hmm. this wave of let's get this stuff on the table. Yeah. And so through the two and a half years of working on my master's, I used every excuse for every project that I could work on for my master's, sometimes entire classes, um, formulating that idea. It was originally going to be a mini documentary series. Really? And yeah, so I was going to do different topics. So the first topic would have been climate change denial, and that would have been the first uh, episode of the series. The second topic would be something about faith or hell or heaven and uh, conspiracy theories and whatnot. But I, I, I kept researching and this was the beauty of my master's experience was that I was able to give myself the time to dive deeper into thinking about what this final product was. And I discovered podcasting. Well, I'd known about podcasting, but I discovered that, oh, wow, why, why, wouldn't I do this? And then mix video. And, and then I also want to, I've always wanted to design a book and publish books. So I said, I could just repurpose the content, um, or take the content straight up from the transcriptions of my interviews, publish them in a book and release that at the end of each year. Hmm. And so that's kind of what it, it formulated from a mini documentary series to a debate series. Actually, it's going to be debate series for, for a while, video debate series, and then podcasting just, culminated everything mm, mm. So no this is horrible. awesome I, I find i find this whole project very intriguing and and it seems to be from the ones i've listened to is that you you believe in the power of conversation yeah in many ways and so t- talk more about that like i've noticed that i've noticed like how you you converse how you interview people um just kind of the rhythm what you do this how, how do you think conversation can change us I think it's everything. I think that's where everything starts. It's what makes change. It's what generates change. It's what forms movements. But I think now more than ever, it's it's so nice because you can for free, as you pay for the internet, but you connect to the internet and then for free you can tune into Snarky Faith or the belief books and just dive into someone else's conversation for an entire hour and get into both of their brains without even knowing them. And who knows what could be said there? You could latch onto, wow, I really connect with that. And boom, something shifted in your mind. That's what happened to me. I watched actually one of the first like series I ever watched was called The Atheism Tapes. It was mm. just this this one guy and he just went and interviewed people with his camera. Super simple production. But the conversation was... Uh, foundational to like wow people are just saying what they think and Mm. they're they're um analyzing this stuff and um you know whatever you're talking about whether it be politics or religion or philosophy or math the the universe space um i i believe that the conversation is just where everything happens and i think that's where change starts to happen and it's just uh you know you could be driving i could be working or running i i run and i put on podcasts all the time and you you can just take in this information um while you're doing other things and so it's the accessibility plus the importance of it all just uh i don't know i don't know exactly where i was going at the end but (laughs) but i believe that conversation really it's uh it's foundational to everything i don't know i don't know where else you start sure 
no, no, I think you're right. Problems out. I, I you think know? you're right. I mean, because especially, I mean, a conversation is an inherently personal thing, or it can yeah. be. It can be um, an inherently per- personal thing where you, you know, is in essence, you, you know, conversation is two people like we are right now, uh, you know, virtually sitting right across the table from each other. Um, having this conversation and it, it it is very personal and it's it's different than debate um you know a conversation has there's a certain openness like in many ways i've i've over the years just begun to get really i i oftentimes don't see a huge point in debate um in many times because you end up you have people that agree with agree with person a and they've come to listen to person A and their minds aren't really changing. And then the tribe of, for person B comes there and it just ends up looking like, you know, just two people screaming at brick walls uh, and just trying to score points. And, and I know that like historically, I think debates were a little bit different than they've kind of devolved to where they're at right now, uh, especially in terms of political debate. Uh, those, you know, like... Yeah, through like the last political cycle we saw for president, it was it was pointless. It was pointless to watch those. Uh, aside from people just watching to see who was going to screw up, you know, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't about substance. It was just all about like zingers and who's going to screw up. And I was just like, what is this anymore? Or I I've been invited to ones where you end up having a uh it'll be someone that is like an atheist versus someone that like believes in creationism and it's like uh-huh. go and they're just like not i'm like uh you're not gonna convince anybody and i don't know it it kind of seems pointless though the, the one i found the most interesting and i don't know if you're familiar with um he's a philosopher uh peter peter rollins um he talks uh, he's irish yeah. And uh, not that that defines who he is. <laughs> He's an Irish <laughs> author. And I had seen this and they had had this. I believe it was in Scotland. It was it was like a I think. It, oh gosh, What was it called? It was it was something like a conference of dangerous thought. And, and Peter at his heart is a philosopher. And they had pitted him as because he's written books in the Christian esque vein. Um, so they had a philosopher talking with a dogmatic atheist and to watch a philosopher drive someone absolutely insane because he wasn't there to talk in the way that you'd think a pastor would. Like, it, they were having right. conversations that were just absolutely frustrating because, you know, when you try to nail a philosopher down, they just kind of come up with new questions or new ideas or new presuppositions about things. <laughs> and it's yeah. it's... It was enjoyable just to watch two people that were just not anywhere near the same universe in conversation. Um, but you'd mentioned, especially in belief books, uh, that you were concentrating on topics like climate change denial, faith, science, like activism, technology. Like, how did you nail down? Like, these are kind of our focuses or. Yeah. Yeah. I had to start somewhere <laughs> so <laughs> because like I am open. I want to talk about drugs. I want to talk about uh, cults, conspiracy theories. I want to talk about purpose and people's mm-hmm. beliefs in themselves. So I chose that. I don't like the word belief, by the way, mm. but I chose it because it's a nice catch-all. Sure. Um, but I don't think really you choose to believe something. Beliefs are a thing, but you know, you, you, you either accept something or you, you don't. Um, Mm. but, um, but anyways, I didn't want to, I don't want to pigeonhole myself in any topic. So that's why I kept it open to beliefs. And even that probably is, 
more specific than I would have wanted. It's just also nice, the alliteration for belief books, BB. That's nice because I wanted to do a book <laughs> series. Yeah. But um, uh, I, wanna, I, I wanted to start with climate change denial because I believe that that's extremely important. And I also didn't want to come out of the gate only talking religion. Mm. You know, I didn't want to come across as like, all I'm doing is talking about religion because there's a lot more facets to belief. So climate change is extremely important. It's, it's very time pressing. Uh, we need to we need to act on it now. So I wanted to get that information out there, and uh, and so I just I had to start somewhere. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. I, it. This seems almost like an like an open source project that will just continue to just you know morph and evolve. And I'm actually really glad you said that. If you don't mind me interrupting, yeah, because. Yeah. Further down the road, I want to create more of a model for other people who want to do something similar to mm-hmm. be able to latch on to, to go, okay, I can adopt this model um, in, in order to talk about the things that I want to talk about or to do something similar. So it, it, in maybe the next year or two, I want to create a training series and an online I don't know, de- repository of information for someone who's specifically looking to start up a podcast or a series to to do something similar. Mm-hmm. And and the great thing, too, uh, when you start any kind of new project, the further you go into it, the more you learn. Uh, oh. Yeah, you know, we're like, yeah. like well, how have I screwed up? I won't do that again. You know, all of those things that, that you kind of learn the hard truths as you go through. And, and I think that it's a beautiful and gracious thing for you to to be there to hopefully you kind of take the lumps of, of learning <laughs> and then are able to package it and say, Hey, I've learned from this. I've suffered from these mistakes. So you don't have to, you know, type of a sure. thing. That's the best way to do anything is to fail through yeah. other people or just fail fast. But yeah. <laughs> luckily the way I learned it is through research mm-hmm. online, which people had disseminated their experiences into a blog post or a video. So I'm just in a way giving back what other people gave to me because mm-hmm. I didn't pay for any of that information besides my internet connection. Mm-hmm. So it's just a beautiful thing. No, it is. And so and speaking like even more specifically in the realm of podcast, because I know what you're you're kind of creating more of a multimedia experience, you know, to where there, you know, there's writing, there's video, there's podcasting and books, you know, uh, that that will be happening um, in, in, in your mind as you're beginning to look out like over social media and podcasting. Do you kind of feel like in a certain sense that podcasts are actually the new pulpits? Yes. Yeah. In culture. Yep. Um, no doubt. Look at Joe Rogan Mm -hmm. or, or someone like that, like that. He started a podcast and had no idea the influence that he, I mean, millions of people watch each episode or listen to each episode. That's, that's insane. And, and I, I mean, insert any popular podcast, that's crazy influence power. What's also crazy is there's an intimacy to you being right in someone's ears. Mm-hmm. It's just like that, how the TV changed that intimacy of someone's now like in your home with you and your family talking to you and telling you to buy this Hoover vacuum. Oh, you should, you should. And so I, but now you have podcasts where there's no definition of what a podcast is. Aside from that, it's a, a, a audio on demand. You can do anything with the format. It can be three hours or ten minutes, like your snarky bites. Mm-hmm. You know, I and um, 
And so you can go really deep, way deeper than any sermon that I ever heard at church was. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, a pulpit is, uh, I've never thought about it that way, but it's absolutely, mm. um, that's, I, I would totally agree with that. And so for you personally, being in this and doing this and hoping to be able to open people's minds to new perspectives and ideas um, and all of that. How, how does like the medium of podcasting feed you? Yeah. Um, well, I love audio, so I'm a musician as well. And I realized, Hey, I can write the music and record the music for it. Mm-hmm. I, I like conversations, so I feel comfortable editing those conversations, but I loved the dynamic of it that there was no bounding box to what I could do. You know, my next episode, I could write a story and it could be kind of fictional and I could have uh, non-fictional threads through it that connect to an article that I'd read. I, you could, I could do anything with, I could have a debate one time. I could do it alone. I could do it with my friend or my wife or three people. So there's just this, it's, I think it's a really new still open in an open medium that has so much potential. And it's nice because it's free to people and catching, catching on, you know, I'd say more people uh, are, are growing fond of podcasting, but it's still from what I'm seeing is in its infancy, as far as compared to what radio was or TV pretty much is radio, but Mm -hmm. I, I just love that it's so open that mm. I can I can decide to, to to do whatever I will with it and um and try to connect with people in different ways. It's fun. It is. It is. It's tons of fun. And we'd mentioned earlier, like in the show, talking about just the power of conversations. In, in your perspective, and, and through through the project you've been working on, how do you see that conversations can transform people? How do I see that? Yeah. Or how have you experienced it or how do you conceptualize it? Yeah. Um, Well, I think it comes down to that. I think that's the, that's the root of, of anybody discovering something. And I guess the conversation could be through someone writing. For instance, I'm a big fan of Carl Sagan Mm -hmm. and I feel like at times, man, he was just talking right to me. Mm -hmm. And in a way that was a conversation between him and a future reader, me. And, uh, and it, I think the proof is in the pudding. I was transformed by conversation and I've heard countless accounts that, uh, people are transformed through thinking harder, but based on a video they saw or a documentary they saw or a podcast they listened to. So I think the proof is just out there. The difficult thing is that we are in a culture, uh, living in a society that uh, is very, very quick. So attention spans, you know, breaking Mm. through that noise is incredibly difficult. Getting someone to listen to my hour, hour and a half long podcast, even when they're free, um, even when they know who I am, the family and friends I know haven't listened to it, it's difficult to break through that noise because they want to watch the new episode of Big Bang Theory and they have, you know, they want to go out for a walk and do whatever, the game, sports. Um, and, and those are wonderful distractions, but I think at, um, I think it would be healthy if people set aside at least like an hour to, to dive deep into something or meditate. Mm -hmm. 
But I think it's just difficult nowadays. It is. People it are is. Just we're in we're, a rush through life. We're pulled in so many different directions, you know, yeah. whether it be uh, technologically speaking or just, you know, relationally with family, life, kids, job, work. We're just, yeah, we're, very, we're spread very thin. But I will say sometimes it's not the worst thing if family members don't listen to your radio <laughs> show or podcast because yeah. they're. Uh, <laughs> hypothetically hypothetically speaking sometimes they get really pissy at you um <laughs> for things that you hypothetically may say on the air or over the interwebs um, <laughs> um but within this idea of of conversation and transformation um from your perspective and from what you've learned from the projects that you've done how do you and this is something that always it's a curiosity of mine. How do you talk to people who don't want to learn? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I'll preface this, that I don't enjoy talking to people mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I mean, it de- it depends on where we are and what we're trying to get out of our interaction. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if you don't want to, if I can tell that you don't really want to engage in evaluation of what we're talking about, then I don't know why we're talking. You know, you see some debates and a big question is, what would it take to change your mind? And someone says, well, nothing could. The conversation is over. Mm -hmm. You know, what are we talking about? Um, Yeah, we can talk about like the weather and, um, and stuff, but, um, Wait, what was your original question? (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. it. Uh, No, no. What you, I was asking about, you know, how do you talk, or have conversations with people that really don't want to learn, that don't want to change their perspectives, that want to just fire stuff at you. Um, and I'm always, I'm always curious uh, about that topic because I, I have like two default modes. I either get more and more sarcastic and snarky and just mess with people mm. uh, just because if I'm stuck in a situation, I have to amuse myself <laughs> instead of just it being inflicted with pain. And my other answer is I just mentally check out. Um, and I know those yeah. aren't the right answers. I know those aren't the right. They're just coping mechanisms. They're coping mechanisms. They and, are answers. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's a difficult one because first off, because I don't like, I, I, I guess it's just that um, first off, I teach at the Art Institute. So mm-hmm. most people who are in my classrooms are looking to learn. Mm-hmm. So some of the conversations that we have that are non-computer graphics related are nice. Um, but I... So that I probably have a couple modes. One is I try really hard to dig down into like one particular thing. So I'm figuring out what are they focusing this conversation on? And I will, okay, I'm just going to try to keep on to that particular thing. So if they want to talk about heaven and that, like, what do you, what do you think about that? I won't, you know, meet my husband again. Mm. And, and so they're talking about the afterlife and heaven. I'm going to try to stay as specific to that particular Mm. thing until we can hash out that because there's no way that in any conversation you're going to dissect multiple strands in this huge web of something that makes up someone's beliefs. So let's just pull at one string or plant one seed potentially and talk about what that, that very particular thing. The other is I just go to something that was radical for me, something that I cannot get over something like, um, 
if if uh, we would be talking about a problem if evil or something like that i would say what about natural disasters mm. no pe- people are involved in that i don't know how i can get over um, the uh, the three tenets of a god. If a god is all powerful, made it happen, is all loving, and then knows what's going to happen from that, how could you explain natural disasters that kill mm. innocent people? Does not compute. It's like a, a computer program. It's like nope, <laughs> does not compute. And I can't get past it. And I've never heard anybody um, be able to give me a, a, mm-hmm. a good answer through that. And I'm I'm begging for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's a really interesting topic, and uh, but I I go for I don't know if you call it going for the throat, but for me that's my throat mm. is like something like that is really really difficult for me. I don't know how I could have um, a deep faith uh, and can keep a belief based on certain things that are playing out in this world. So I'll I'll try to focus, I guess. Mm. Or another way is uh, I guess through a street epistemology type. A process is have them um, have them explain their reasons for why they believe what they believe. So keep digging to why do you believe that, and 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 essentially only asking questions. So never coming on the well, I think this. Yeah. Instead, just asking more questions so that at a certain point you can say, okay. So from what I understand, this is what you believe. And then they can say, yes, that's exactly what I believe. And then you can move forward. But mm-hmm. if they have a disagreement, then, then trying to get to a point where you can articulate simply what they're trying to articulate to you. Mm-hmm. And so you can get an understanding, build a foundation at level one, and then move up to level two. And, the, and then use that same manner to, to get through that understanding. And then I think that can add to... That leads to the productive questions because you can specify, ah, okay, so this is probably where we disagree mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rather than assuming. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. I think, I think that's good. And I think there's like a systematic way to handling, you know, it, 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 when, you, when you can systematize stuff on a certain level, it prevents you from handling on an emotional level completely. You yeah. know, you're able to kind of take personalities out of the situation mm-hmm to begin to just really evaluate what's in front of you, what you're dealing with, uh, what's behind the question or what's behind what's behind what's the question type of a situation. No, that's I, good. I, yeah. I look at it as like defense walls in, yeah. in sometimes ways because because how far can we get without that emotion really coming into play? Because yeah. with, with talks with my family or um, mostly, uh, I can see when I'm getting a little closer because the wall becomes a little more prevalent mm-hmm. and uh, I can tell I'm, I'm at that big, the, a, a certain wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you a question as, as an artist and a musician. And so th- this is, this is from um, this author, Matthew Fox. He had said this, he said um, in, in, in the realm of what we're speaking about with belief, uh, what churches need to do now is to renew self and society um, is to take spirituality seriously. And this means taking art seriously. So the idea that through renewal of church and spirituality means that we take art seriously. I like that. I, I think that's one, one valid thing or mm-hmm. the way to go about it because uh, art's a way of expression. So letting people express themselves 
publicly mm-hmm. or to to whoever they're letting that art out to um, could be beneficial to the overall conversation because art pieces essentially generate conversations. I have a piece of art that's hanging on my wall. I do urban abstract illustrations. I mm. take photography all over and then I come home and I manipulate that photography and I create an interesting piece that I like to look at. But that I hope in in the future to have it hanging in people's places or whatever to spark a conversation about that piece and then where that piece was originally from and then sparking conversation about that location. Mm. And then it starts to not become about the art. Mm. And when I like that and, 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 one of the things, I mean, I've had plenty of shows about why Christian art generally sucks, and it makes people <laughs> mad, uh, but I don't care. And but what, <laughs> but when it comes to things like specifically like art, what I love about it is that there's not an answer. There's not yeah. a distinctive hardcore answer. And I think that when it comes to issues of belief and faith, I think that especially when you talk about like the American Christian Church, I mean, I think it's been the pursuit of certainty. And, you know, like right angles and, you know, things that you can just, they're very concrete. And when you're talking about something that is inherently mysterious and inherently not completely concrete, I, I think art ends up being a better reflection of, of conversations like that in, in certain terms, in certain terms. Because I think that that's one of the things that I've gotten tired with, uh, especially within Christianity many times, is that there's, uh, do you need an answer? I'll give you the five points of why this, you know, like your answer, like why is there suffering in the world? Well, I'll tell you, here's my five point answer to, to completely sum up something that I don't know <laughs> that there is. I mean, I have an answer, but I can't say it on the air, uh, mainly just for FCC rules. But I mean, it's just that happens you know stuff i mean stuff happens we don't always know the answer and i think within spirituality there's stuff that happens we don't know the answers for it and and i think that people that have richer faith experiences and i know i'm being judgmental by saying this are people that that tend to embrace aspects of mystery aspects of the unknown aspects of that there is more to the journey ahead that that i can learn from others more than i can learn from all that I know where I'm at right now on this little moment in history. I mean, I think that like you'd mentioned, you wanting to start kind of an open source project. I mean, I think the faith, I think needs to be somewhat of an open source project that there are things we know, there's things we don't know, and that there's experiences yet to be had. There's experiences and like epiphanies uh, that we've yet to have people. We have yet to meet conversations that have not been had uh, conversations that can enrich us. And so I think that in a certain sense, art can be seen in many ways like that, that there's, there's interpretation. Um, you oh, can, totally. I you know, love that. Yeah. And I love, I love looking at art. Like I love when I am able to go to like galleries and stuff and look at art and, and talk to my wife about it because, you know, her take on it will be completely different. She'll just be like this. I don't really like this piece. I thought this was so beautiful. And this is what it said to me. <laughs> oh, now that you say it this way, I totally see what you're saying. You know, these kind of conversations where our perspectives are limited. And sure. And, yeah. I mean, art's a conversation sure. in a certain way, too. Yeah, I think um, I think it comes down to a lot of people like to be they it's 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 in a way fears of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you you had mentioned, um, I guess, being 
certain about something, like being uncertain where not having the answer is okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, from, from when how I was raised, there always seemed to be an answer, even to questions where it's like, how could you come to that conclusion? But it was always so definitive. And so, yeah, the connection with art that their um, art is, I mean, that's open because mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty much uh, subjective. It's object objective too, but anything in a way can be art uh, to a degree. And um, and uh, yeah, there's no there's no necessary right or wrong. There's mm-hmm. just uh, taste, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. It's taste. Like I mean, when I when my kids were younger, I could look at something and be so incredibly proud. But if I go and show it to my neighbor and be like, "Isn't this amazing? This is wonderful. Look what he was doing here." Yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for showing me this. You know, like when you look at other people's kids stuff, it's like, ah, it's garbage. I don't care because there's no emotion attached to it. You know, there's no relationship yeah. attached to it. And it's and it's complicated. It, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly complicated. And even what you'd mentioned, like the easy, I feel like the easy answers are the cheap answers a lot of times, especially in the realm of faith and spirituality. You know, why does Aunt Judy have cancer? God's teaching her something. You know, and as a kid, I was like, is God an ass? Like, why? Like, this is like, no, 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 no. I don't think we need to completely, like, make these nice little thin lines. Like, this bad thing is happening because of this. Maybe it's because of pollution. Maybe it's because, you know, of the fact that she was smoking five packs a day. You know, why? Right. You know, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it's, but it's complicated. And, and I've always, I've always been... Things like that have, have never been satisfying to me. You know, easy answers for, for hard, hard questions. And they, they were just never satisfying. And they never, uh, I, I think those are things oftentimes we tell people when we don't want to say, especially people that are in positions of being pastors, which I have been in, in the past. You know, I think you want to go for the easy answer because you want to leave the situation. I'm going to be totally crass about it, but I think a lot of times, like, they don't know what to say. They want to sound like they know what they're saying, and they also want to exit the situation as quick, quick as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Which I have a story run, about that. Yeah, <laughs> which in the long run is not. It's not helpful to either party. And I and I yeah. Sometimes I think the greatest answer is I don't know. Um, yeah. But let's talk more. <clears throat> sure. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, I wish that was said more, because I mean that's. That's where then you have room to explore. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think people also like admitting that, hey, I was wrong about this, mm. or I think I was wrong, or I changed my mind. You know, it's like uh, politics. I've been a Republican for 45 years. <laughs> You're not going to change my mind now. You know, it's like, wh- why? Why does yeah. it matter? You should yeah. wake up tomorrow, and if, if things don't align with your brain uh, and you think a different way and you feel that that's valid— you can be a different, you can think something different in yeah. the next minute. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I I was battling when I was watching videos and, and, and kind of stepping out of my box mm-hmm. from my childhood. And then I read a book and I was like, whoa, you know, I read, I finished reading a paragraph and I was like, yep. And in those moments I knew, oh, yeah, I don't believe this stuff anymore. And it was just, it was, it, it, it mm. took many years probably of, slow slow but but then there were certain moments where it was like yeah yeah this this is i agree with this and it was mm-hmm. okay 
Um, and, and what's, what stunk is I knew that that was going to be really, really difficult. I knew it was going to devastate my grandparents, which it did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it led to certain fruitful conversations in my opinion. And I'm happy that they knew me honestly, mm-hmm. because I told my mom after I told her, um, cause she just asked my face and face and I was like, okay, you asked. So I'm going to tell you what I be- believe or don't believe now. And I was like, but don't tell my grandparents. Don't tell. Um, I called them Marmar and Pom Pom. And uh, I said, don't tell Marmar and Pom Pom. And she did. Mm. And uh, just changed the relationship because Mm. I was different in their eyes. Like, how could you not believe that? And so there was this staunchness of when I, all I did then was ask some questions to my grandfather. I was confused by how God could ask uh, Abraham to kill his son. I was like, how could someone who lo- is all loving do something like that? That was another does not compute kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I just simply asked him about that. Like, are you comfortable with that story? Do you, do you find an- anything wrong with it? Like I just explained mm-hmm. and it was anger showed, you know, mm-hmm. it was, it got in, it got too intense to ever t- really talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, th- I think it, that in itself is a tell. You know, like if I was mm-hmm. playing poker, I'd be like, that guy is bluffing. Or, you know, like something's up with that because why would you feel that way if you had done, you know, like if, if, you're, if we're going to talk about, um, you know, a, a evolution or something like that, yeah. we can actually talk about it. I don't have to get like heated up and mad that you don't uh, agree with it. Um, because ultimately, like, I know that if you keep learning about it, you're going to understand it too. And maybe I can give you another resource and that's Mm -hmm. fine. We, I can keep talking to you about it, but, uh, it's just, it's just, it's it's such an interesting realm when you get into that stuff. Um, and and that's just more fuel on why I started my series It's Mm -hmm. just, it's just, I, I, I couldn't, once I started to get out, I, I also have been traveling the world quite a bit since college. And uh, it's just like, man, there's a whole nother world out there. That yeah. is reality. And uh, and I just am fascinated that, um, and I don't mean to be rude about this, but I think people can get stuck easily in the way of thinking or, for instance, a job that they don't like. You can get stuck yeah, um, because of maybe comfort or, or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, so, you know, I think what you're doing uh, is is, you know, just extremely important for this, um, ongoing conversation. I think, I think what podcasts are doing and, uh, and some of these video series documentaries are shifting slowly because maybe some people who are attending church right now go home and late at night, you know, their parents go to bed and they start to watch these documentaries or listen to these podcasts in the background. And maybe over the years, like, yeah, because they're indulging in both conversations. Um, I think that's so healthy. Mm-hmm. Just there's nothing healthier than to to look at the other side of things or to try to to learn more. Mm-hmm. So it's no, I, no, th- no. I think that's good. I think you're right on about that. So I wanted to ask you a couple questions before we finish up here. Sure. More or less rapid fiery, but not that rapid fiery uh, type sure. questions. So so right now, when you look at the world um, overall, like what it what excites you the most? Wow. I think that technology is, we're on the hockey stick curve of technology. I think there's unbelievable things coming. Think about when the internet really took off. 
-hmm. think about when every uh just the short amount of time uh where no one had an iphone or a smartphone uh we're talking about space travel now commercialized space travel artificial intelligence there's exciting stuff i think there's also because there's such big problems in the world i think that leaves room for unbelievable collaboration that could change the world Mm. i had an interview with someone Actually, it's episode six, my my last episode that I published with Nikki Rothwell up in Michigan. She's a horticulturist, horticulturalist, and it's a tough one. And uh, and she, um, we 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 dug into uh, far far deeper than than climate change, um, and and we got into um, a lot a lot more. I think there's just so much more to these issues than um than than the issue itself what she said to me was nothing brings people together like like a crisis Mm -hmm. and uh you know you could think about war uh, or um natural disasters but it's 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 not necessarily a good thing that that's happening but i think for instance a climate change thing or or our differences in faith or politics those i think we all need to reevaluate how we look at that landscape as a positive thing because there's room to try to figure each other out and collaborate and figure these problems out because there are solutions we just need to work together i think it's i think there's a lot of distractions so we got to we got to focus a little more but i i believe that there's this beauty in humanity there's fun experiences to be had while collaborating and learning about other cultures so there's a lot of exciting stuff. That's a mm. that's a massive question for the lightning round. I know it is. It is. <laughs> this is like the it's, they're fat lightning bolts in this round. There's so there's a little bit of space. There. So what yeah. what right now what bothers you the most in About the world today? In the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your from your vantage point, I think it would it would come down to that people are so stubborn to to say that, to to not explore another side so like for instance with the climate change thing although that's getting really good um because we just i think i think the the as the facts come out it's just obvious but i think that that's a a massive problem that that uh people aren't uh seeing that this how how serious of a of an issue that is um because it's it's so deep into not just like the weather and uh and people having to move away from the coasts or whatever there's there's crazy effects that that will happen so that's that's a big one but i think i think it comes down to people's beliefs what's going on in 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 our brains that for some reason encourages us to latch on to ideas and not want to disconnect from them and 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 i think that if we can disconnect more from our egos or our preconceived notions um our and even sometimes our roots and 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 try to see from other perspectives i think that is um that in a way is the ultimate problem one of the ultimate problems because it that so much stems from that mhm mhm i don't know what no. do you think what's what do you think's the biggest problem <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you're going to put, it's kind of along the lines of what you're saying. I think that well, more from American culture, I just think we've become more and more selfish. 
you know, yeah. as, as, as humans. I mean, I think that a lot of these problems can just stem from uh, I want to get mine and I don't care about the consequences for anybody else. I mean, I think that you see that from issues of climate change because, you know, for me to make changes, it's going to impact me in a way that I don't, that makes me uncomfortable. And yeah. the last thing in the world I want to do is feel a little uncomfortable, you know, but as the oceans are rising and everything else, I mean, that's, I think that we, we're not willing to sacrifice little uncomfortabilities um, in the hopes of fixing big uncomfortabilities. Sometimes that makes me sad um, and not so hopeful about humanity. I mean, I think that, you know, we not to get even too much into politics, even though we regularly do on this show. I mean, I think that, you know, most of this issues, I mean, just, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's all stemmed from, from this kind of like narcissistic culture that we have. And now it's led us to being led from the Oval Office by the ultimate narcissist, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I think that, you know, it's easy simply just to blame Trump, but I think Trump is a symptom of us. Um, oh, totally. In, in so many ways. I mean, you don't get elected <laughs> uh, if, if you're not somehow part of the will of the people. And maybe we'll find out the Russians had more of a hand in this, but I'm still saying, uh. yeah, I mean, I feel like that still lets us off the hook. It's an excuse a bit. And you know, I think that, yeah, our, 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 our absolutely just our selfish nature um, is, is a problem. But what gives me hope is conversations like this and conversations that I, I begin to have with other people that it's not all bad. I mean, it's easy to look at the bad because we get fed, get it fed in the news every day because there's plenty of crap that that is frightening, alarming, scary. You know, for me as a father, being able to say, oh, yay, this is the world we're handing over to our kids. Good luck. Learn to swim. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, but it's not even just here. I mean, I... Um, I do a bunch of ESL teaching uh, with children and adults um, in, in Beijing, uh, well, all over China as well, but a lot of them are in Beijing. Cool. And just the nature of having, having uh, well, I mean, when I talk to them, I have, I have like the, uh, in my, on the app on my phone, I have the weather for like a lot of the cities that I'll talk to people in. And there's almost every day just um, air warnings. Uh, that the air is polluted, that, you know, certain uh, people shouldn't be going outside. And so, I mean, we have we have problems here. They've got problems there. And, and that's sad as well, too, when you begin to look at it. But I think that when we go back to the climate, like we had talked a bunch about, all this is all this is fixable. I mean, I know that we've done certain things that there is there's certain red lines that we've crossed. But I think that there's so much that is that is within our capabilities right now to be able to fix to be 100%. able to fix and and the one thing that's beautiful about the earth is that the earth is resilient um we're less resilient as humans <laughs> yep <laughs> and yeah. uh you know the earth will continue to be the earth it'll continue to go on and on and on uh with or without us and i think uh yeah. you know for us to be able to say we want to be with it <laughs> humanity wants to continue on and even in the idea of space travel i'm, I'm all up for that kind of stuff but i don't want that to be i don't want plan b um, no. you know what I mean? Yeah. For us to be like, yeah, well, Mars, we can go and eat, you know, Matt Damon's crap potatoes on Mars. That's, that's, that's the dream. That's living the dream. That's, that's what we want to do. No, no, no. Fix the problem here because the problem is within humanity is we'll just take our problems with us elsewhere and nothing gets fixed. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah. yeah. If you think about the, if you think about 
the overall allocation of resources and time and prioritization mm-hmm. of where we spend yeah, our time and our money and our resources, you could in a year shift focus. You encourage, give businesses tax incentives to to try to figure out this solution or transform your uh, companies away from plastic or this or that or here are solar panels. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more and more companies, I think this is where entrepreneurship and business are going to boom, is that entrepreneurs, there's going to be a new wave of entrepreneurs that are thinking, are future thinkers, that are entrepreneurs that are looking to solve problems, but also see in the opportunity of new energy. I can't believe that these energy companies are being resistant and not transforming our grids and their systems because they it's like Blockbuster and yeah. Netflix yeah. on a much more massive scale, but that's exactly what's going on. It's, it's unbelievable. I encourage anybody, here's my plug. Yeah. Episode three of the Belief Books, I, I drove out to, to New York and I met the founder and a member as well of a, an organization that supports a scientist who came up with a invention to suck carbon dioxide out of the air. And, and the stuff that's left is uh, able to create nanofibers from that. So you can build your monitors, your phone stuff, your mice, pens, cars from the pollution. Mm-hmm. And it's, it works. And it's a thing. Um, and that's already invented. You have to do that. You know, now he has to get big funding on uh, scales to get it in the Sahara Desert mm-hmm. and, you know, get big ones going um, or wherever it's going to be placed. But, you know, that's one team. Yeah. And uh, so there, there is hope. But I totally, you know, there's, there's other stuff where it's like, whoa. I like my hope meter, like on a day to day basis, like (laughs) it is, it is. And it feels like, I mean, just as, just as much as our country is very polarized, uh, politically and otherwise, but it feels like the hope, like there's this, this incredible hope, but, (laughs) but at the same time, it's just like this back and forth. with like pessimism, hope, pessimism, hope. Uh, I just wish like we, can we meet in the middle people? Can we meet in the middle? It would probably mean I would drink less. So, <laughs> but, cheers to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Josh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for for being on the show. If people want to find you, if people want to find uh, about more about Belief Books, the podcast, if people want to stalk you on Twitter, Facebook, all that jazz, where do they go? Sure. Uh, the number one spot is to go to thebeliefbooks.com. And you can listen to episodes there. You can access uh, blog posts and some some photos. You can comment on episodes. I'm also on Facebook. I have a page for the Belief Books, but I also have a group, which I'm more excited about for the, the Belief Books, which I call the Belief Forum. And that is a closed group in order to let people speak about whatever they want so it doesn't show up on their wall or whatever. But uh, that hopefully continue the conversations deeply from the episodes that I release. I'm on Twitter too at the, at the belief books or at Josh Naiman. Um, so if you, if you decide to listen to the podcast, which I really hope you do, I'd love feedback, uh, in the form of an iTunes review or an email or a tweet. I'm, I'm all ears or just enjoy the podcast. And, and thanks a lot, Stuart, for having me on. 
um, big fan of, of what you're doing. And if there's any way that I can, um, promote you more, I'd love to have you on the podcast as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, as long as I haven't already scared you off. So yeah, uh, no way you've made it this far. Yeah. I'd absolutely love to do that. I look forward to it. I look forward to more conversation to the future, Josh. Thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Me too. Thank you. Well, that's all I've got this week. I'll be back again next week with more snark. And just a reminder, as we end this broadcast, you can always catch this episode and past on podcast at www.snarkyfaith.com. And as always, I send you out into this world with grace and peace and snark. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.